Today, we are in week two of a series that we started called White Noise. And uh, this series is really about um, noise in our lives and recognizing it and hearing things and also things that we don't hear, which is why I wanted to share with you guys an article that ran across um, my Google uh, feed this last week related to hearing and actually people not hearing things and hearing them for the first time, which I thought was absolutely wonderful and hysterical. I hope you will uh, find it as funny as I did. And it's fine um, that it's going to talk about what it talks about. The article is titled, This Teacher Had to Tell Her Deaf Students That People Can Hear Farts. And their reaction was hilarious. So yeah, yes, kids who, who cannot hear suddenly discover for the first time in their lives that flatulence is audible, right? And so uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this for, for you guys. All right, uh, Anna Trupiano is the name of the teacher. Today in first grade, one of my deaf students farted loudly in class and other students turned to look at them. The following is a snippet of a 15-minute conversation that happened entirely in American Sign Language among the group of deaf students and I. Here we go. Kid one, why are they looking at me? Me, because they heard you fart. Kid one, what do you mean? Me, hearing people can hear farts. Kid two, totally horrified, wait, they can hear all farts? <laughs> me, well, no. Not all farts, but some of them, yes. Kid three, how do you know which farts they can hear and which farts they can't? <laughs> Me, hmm, you know how sometimes you can feel your butt move when you fart? <laughs> A lot of those they can hear. But if your butt doesn't move, it's likely they didn't hear it. Kid one, tell them to stop listening to my farts. That is not nice. <laughs> Me, hearing kids can't stop hearing farts. It just, it just happens. Kid too, I will stop farting then. <laughs> Me, everyone farts, it's healthy, you can't stop. Kid three, wait, everyone? Even my mom? Me, yep. Kid two, my dad? Me, yep. Dot, 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 you, kid? Me, yep. Kids laugh hysterically. Kid one, so you can hear and smell all the farts? <laughs> Me, some of the farts, yes, not all of them. Kid two, can hearing people see farts? Kid three, yes, green smoke comes out of their butt. I, I saw it on TV. Me, that doesn't happen in real life. Kid one, what? Ugh, I don't understand farts. I went to college for eight years to have these conversations. Yeah. All I have to say is thank you for sharing that with, with us. That was tremendous, right? All right, what's white noise really about? Um, it's not green smoke. Uh, white noise... Uh, like I said, it's about, it's about hearing. And last week, I really kicked it off talking about what white noise is. And like white noise sound machines are what many of us are familiar with. We sometimes sleep with them because what we use them to do is kind of mask sounds that we don't want to hear, right? White noise is, is kind of sound in the background that's, that, that, that oftentimes masks things or levels out sounds we don't want to hear. And what we did last week is we expanded that definition to say sometimes white noise isn't helpful because it masks things that we need to hear. And particularly, there's white noise that we choose in our lives 
that we use to mask unwanted feelings. Not just unwanted sounds, but when we have feelings we don't want to experience, a lot of times we, we mask those feelings with white noise. And I actually asked you last week, and many of you did this thank you, to kind of identify what are the white noises that you really lean into when you don't want to feel unwanted feelings. And uh, we talked about a lot of them, television, binge watching, Netflix. We talked about uh, phones and all the ways those can, can end up functioning as white noise. We talked about my personal favorite, which is food. We talked about um, uh, shopping. We talked about uh, all different kinds of ones. I, I even talked about how noise, white noise, a lot of times can end up as kind of the false narratives we, we share and we think about inside of our own heads. And then this week, what I really want to do is expand white noise just one bit further, because I actually think the Bible kind of expands it one bit further, and, and talk about one other form of white noise. And I want to introduce it to you in a riddle. I want you to see if you can solve this riddle. Any Hobbit fans out there, J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings? Yes, good. Yeah, you guys are a lot braver than the early service. One person put his hand up and was like, no. <laughs> Hobbit's awesome, right? Have no shame, right? Uh, Here's the riddle. It cannot be seen, cannot be felt, cannot be heard, cannot be smelt. <laughs> it lies behind stars and under hills and empty holes it fills. It comes first and follows after it ends life. It kills laughter. What is it? Darkness. It's darkness. Good job. Good job. Uh, I want to suggest to you guys that, that darkness is actually a very common form of white noise, something we use to mask things that we don't want to see or we don't want to be seen. When you don't want to see the reality of something and you kind of figuratively turn off the lights on it and it's in darkness, that's a form of white noise. Or when you don't want yourself to be fully seen or, or known, and you turn off figuratively the lights in your life and your relationships with others and the things you're willing to enter into, that's also a form of white noise. That's darkness. And I ran across someone who really honestly, extremely honestly talked about this white noise in her life. Uh, in really uh, a website called The Experience Project when I was just kind of digging around on this. And this is the writing of a young woman whose scream name uh, was Beyond Repair. And this is what she wrote. I prefer darkness over light. The darkness allows me to hide who I am and what I truly feel. In the light, all things have a chance to be revealed. Darkness makes it easier to hide. The darkness is a place where you can lose yourself. Lost in the dark is a great place to be because then you are free from what you were and can be what you want. The darkness is bliss. It's really honest and I think extremely accurate for those of us and all of us probably have to some extent hid in darkness. I appreciate her honesty, but I want to say she's wrong. Darkness is not bliss, and she is not beyond repair. Today's message comes from 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, and it is titled, 
Um, we only see each other with the lights on. We only see each other with the lights on. We're going to read that passage, 1 John uh, 5 through 7, and uh, I'd actually suggest that you follow along with me uh, in, on your phone, in your Bible, however you do it, because we're going to kind of work through it. I want you to understand what John's really saying to us here. Um, as you're getting there, uh, as we always do, I really like to quiet our hearts and our minds to push out some of the noise in prayer as we get ready to hear God's word. Let's do that. Lord Jesus, we come before you now and we quiet our hearts and our minds and we ask you to speak. Lord, we know that um, in your word you have spoken life to us. This is a light unto our path. It's a lamp unto our feet and we Open it up now, Lord, and ask you to shine your light into our lives, to speak into the darkness, to pull us out of um, the cycles of, of sin and shame, Lord, and to bring us uh, to you, to trust you, to follow you into the light. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our lives now and that the word of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, Jesus, you are our rock and our redeemer. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, this is the passage. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness... We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. All right, so this passage begins with a declaration. John, and let's talk about who John is. John is, was a disciple of Jesus, he was the one who authored the Gospel of John. This is a man who lived with Jesus for four years, who watched Jesus teach, who had Jesus form his life uh, and uh, for, sorry, three years. And, uh, and, and Jesus uh, not only taught John the truth, Jesus helped John to experience the truth. And what, what John is doing here. What he's saying very emphatically in a declaration is there's something that Jesus taught me, something that was true that I really want to pass on to you. This is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and we declare to you. What is it? It's this. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. That's the central truth of our passage. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. What, is, what does John mean by that? Firstly, God is light. And the first thing I really want you to recognize here is that John is using a metaphor. Uh, John is saying God is like light in some way. And he doesn't use the word like, but there's actually uh, ways that we can tell it's a metaphor. And one of them, uh, and actually this is... Uh, kind of just intuitively uh, what I understand, what I've found to be true. I don't know that it's always true, but it's definitely true here, is that metaphors don't work in reverse. 
So one of the ways that you could test for a metaphor in literature or the Bible is to see if you can say it in the opposite way, and it's still true. So for instance, God is light is a good biblical idea that, uh, that's all over the, over the place. Uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, right? We, we can affirm that biblically. But if you reverse it and say light is God, right? If you reverse the metaphor, is that true? No, that's not uh, Christian theology. We are not pantheistic. We don't believe God is in everything. We believe God created everything, and God differentiates himself from the created order. And that's why the timeless God in the beginning in Genesis 1 says what? Let there be light, and suddenly light is there, and it illuminates the world. And what John is saying in this metaphor is there's something about light that helps us understand something about God. There is something that light does that helps us understand something about what God does in our lives. And, uh, and he could actually be talking about a lot of things here, right? There's a lot of different aspects to light and what it does and what it is. Light uh, is heat. Light is a wave. Light has a very specific speed that I can't remember from physics class. Light... Um, <clears throat> Is, is many things, what is it that he's focusing on? And that's actually, he helps us because he tells us in the second half of this declaration, the part of the metaphor he's interested in us getting. He says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. God is light. In God, there isn't one ounce of darkness at all. Um, did you know, actually, that is a physical property of light, that it, it is without darkness? Actually, the definition of darkness, um, kind of physically and philosophically, is the absence of light. And when light uh, enters into a thing, what does it do to that thing? It kind of removes the darkness. It illuminates the darkness. It casts out the darkness. And, and all that's very true, but actually what John probably has in mind here isn't so much uh, the physical aspects of light, although he's definitely observed them. What John probably has in mind is darkness is the concept that the Bible talks about, which is figurative for things that are not good, for evil. Remember, this is a world before electricity, and at the nighttime, where there were no street lights, uh, life could be very dangerous. What happened in the darkness uh, in a world without lights, right? Things that were not good, things that people wanted to conceal. There was disorder, there was chaos, there was hiding in the dark. And um, Jesus himself talked about the deeds done in the dark by people as evil. And what I, what I think John is really bringing to mind here is that when he says, when it comes to God and who he is and what his nature is, none of that stuff that has to do with the darkness is, is in God. There, there's nothing dark at all in who God is, in his character. And, and he's trying to help us uh, trust God, to know that God is good and just. He's saying, in God, there's nothing hidden, nothing concealed, nothing impure or evil in our God. He said, God is instead like light, pure, good, warming, bright, 
holy and so utterly powerful and what light does in bringing brightness into our lives and illuminating our lives it does it like like we experience light in the world like we experience really the sun that's another great metaphor for god and has anybody ever tried to look at the sun has anybody ever done that i know you have um I know that many of us probably tried to do it without proper glasses when there was the uh, eclipse uh, a couple of years ago. I know that I did n- not. Yes, I did. It was interesting. <laughs> Only for a moment. Well, the, last summer, um, I walked out into our backyard, and uh, we have a trampoline, and one of our sons was sprawled out on the trampoline on his back, looking up into the sky in a daze. For those that know, know my sons, any guess who this might be? Johnny, that's right. It was, it was Johnny. <laughs> and I looked at Johnny's eyes, and he was like, oh, and I was like, Johnny, are you okay? Are you doing all right? And I quote, this is what he said to me. He said, Dad, the sun is so cool to look at, but I need a break. <laughs> and I was like, oh, geez. You know, I had not yet explained to Johnny that you can't look directly at the sun, right? And, and I said, Johnny, the sun is so bright, so strong, so good and powerful. Its goodness is almost too much for us, and you can't do that. You'll hurt your eyes, and and, uh, that's just what the sun does, and what I want to say is when the sun does that to us, it's not being mean, right? The sun wasn't bullying my, my child, putting him into a daze. The sun was just being the sun. That's what it does. It's part of its nature, and what I want you to see is that when John is saying God is light, he's speaking about the nature of God. And what he's saying is when Jesus comes into our lives, he brings himself, he is going to bring light. If you open up your life to Jesus, what is he going to do in his life, in in, in our lives? He's going to, to brighten it up. He's going to illuminate things. He's going to work Every place we allow him to, he's going to make lighter. It cannot stay in darkness. By the nature of who he is, we, we in a relationship with Christ, uh, cannot have continued, regular, constant darkness in our lives. And that's why John says this in the next verse. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness... We lie and do not live out the truth, right? That seems like hard. It might feel like John is being mean, right? But that's not what's happening here. He's stating a simple reality. If you let Jesus into a part of your life, that part's not going to be in darkness anymore. It's going to have to get brighter. If there's sin in your life, you'll get convicted of that sin. Right? If you find yourself hiding in shame, the Holy Spirit is going to be a part of your life in a way that beckons you, urges you to come out of that darkness and out of that shame. And that's who Jesus is. That is who you are, light in the darkness, just, just like we sang. And what John is saying is this is not only what happens. John is saying this is the only way it happens with Jesus. And let me step back here and just say, if you and I are, are saying that we follow Jesus 
And we have places of deep darkness in our, in our lives. And, and we have never let Jesus into them. One, the good news is he's going to bring light if we let him in. It's going to bring hope and healing if you'll let him into that part of your life. It's not going to be bad. It's going to be good, okay? Um, and let me say, uh, if we have been walking with Jesus and we've never felt conviction of sin, or we, we hardly ever uh, feel convicted about whatever darkness and shame and stuff we are hiding in, like, I think what John would say to us is, I don't know that you've ever really let Jesus in there. I don't know that you actually know Jesus in that way. And, and I think we need to think about that. This is who he is. This is what he does. He set us free, so let's be free, okay? Uh, I want to get to the next verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You know, last week we spent quite a bit of time talking about how white noise can affect our relationship to God. So we've done that. I want to spend time today on the first part of this verse that talks about how this white noise, how darkness affects our relationship to one another. How, how, how darkness keeps us from knowing and being known by one another. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, what does he say? What's the promise? We have fellowship with one another. When we step out into the light, we step out into relationship with one another. He's saying we can only see each other with the lights on. Now, last week I quoted uh, from a book called Get Out of Your Head, written by a person named Jenny Allen, and it's a great book. It's had an impact on me. I've actually talked about it uh, multiple times, and I kind of gave actually kind of the impetus for her writing this book when we did our series in the fall, Anxious for Nothing, where I, she, uh, she writes this book out of her own experience, where she kind of got trapped in her, in her own head for quite a while in doubt and shame and worry and fear, and it actually all started with a, kind of a spiritual attack that kind of happened on her life and kind of pushed her into the darkness and she, she didn't really come out of it for a long time. And the book is really her sharing how she finally stepped out of the dark. And um, one of the things that she said in this book, especially when we're talking about fellowship with one another, uh, how standing in the light allows us to be known and to know other people, one of the things that she said really struck me because um, I think so many of us can relate to it, uh, because I know I relate to it. And, and it's this, she says, I didn't mean to isolate myself in the spiral of doubt for 18 months. I just never got around to expressing out loud what I was going through. So, so here's what, here what she's saying here. I was in this doubt and this fear and this darkness for 18 months, and I didn't intend to get there. We often don't intend to be in the darkness. She said, what happened was is I, I, never, I never intentionally brought it out into the light. I never got around to expressing aloud 
to moving this out of the darkness into the light what I was going through. And why did she not do that? Well, this is what she shares next. She says, fear whispered to me, if, you, if people knew what I've done, they'd want nothing to do with me. Carry the shackles of her sin, thinking she was unforgiven, thinking she was unwanted, thinking nobody would want anything to do with her when they saw what she had done. That's a lie. Okay? Fear whispered to me, if people saw who I really am, they'd run the other way. So, so she's concealing herself. She, she's in the darkness so people can't see. It kept her from, from stepping out into the light and knowing healing. She said, Fear whispered to me, if people knew the thoughts I'm capable of thinking, they'd evict me from their lives. She's saying, I didn't feel like I could be honest with people because I was ashamed of the things that I, I wanted to say. I even needed to say, right? But you can't. And then she said this, this was the result, this is the rationale that she had. Why would I bother people then with my problem? I can handle this. What good will it do if I let someone in anyway? Y'all recognize those thoughts and those fears? I think they are extremely human. So I think every single one of us has thought those things or felt those things. And even if we don't express it out loud, it kind of rests in the recesses of our subconscious. And what happens is we get trapped in those thoughts and those feelings. It's a spiral that she said she was in for 18 months, and it's a cycle, and it's almost like a mind trap. We feel unseen and unloved because we're hiding in fear, and so we stay in fear, and so we keep ourselves further unseen and unloved. And that's what darkness does. It keeps trying to pull us back in. It keeps trying to hold us there and not step into the bright day of God's healing and forgiveness, right? And, and in the book, uh, man, one of the things that she did that was so good is she has these simple little charts that kind of help us even see uh, what we do when we experience shame. And I wanted to share them with you because it talks about like thought and behavior and action and, and I see myself in this chart when I look at it. I, I bet you will too. So here's, here's the chart. The, we, we experience shame, right? We've got some spiral of shame that we're in. And what that does is it leads us to the thought because of the fears that we have. I can solve my own problems, right? That's where she finished. I can solve my own problems. And when we believe that, when we rationalize in that way, it leads to the behavior. What do we do? We build walls. We don't allow ourselves to, to be known by other people because of that shame, because we're trying to do it on our own. And then when we build laws, walls, what results in us relationally is that we're isolated. We're isolated. And when we aren't uh, sharing or being honest with people, consequently, we end up feeling alone. We end up being alone because that's, that's what we've done really in our own heads. To, to sit and be in that darkness, right? And what I think Jenny Allen does so well in this book is she says, that's a lie. Shame lies to us, right? It, it tries to 
make us think that this is the only option we have, that it's not better in the light. It is. Let me assure you, it is much better when we bring it into the light. That's why Jesus urges us to do it. And so what she says is we have to make a choice, and we have to make this choice where we say, I choose to be known. I think what John would say is, I choose to bring it into the light. And we say, I'm going to let the light win this in my life. And, and this is what happens when we make that thought. We begin with this thought, God made me to be known. God made me to know and be known, so I'm going to choose to be known. And when I have that, that fundamental truth, that core in my mind, that leads me to the behavior where I start building bridges with other people, right? I'm not isolating, building walls. I, I'm saying, I want to know you. I'm, I'm going to learn to be vulnerable and honest with you, right? And, and when we do that, relationally, what happens when we're honest and vulnerable and we talk to people? We talk to people. We know people. We are connected. It's, it's what God created us to be, to live life together, to know and be known. And when we're connected, consequently, we're known. We, we are and we experience what God created us to be. He says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Y'all, that's really good news. We see each other with the lights on. And that word there that he uses, we have fellowship with one another. Fellowship. If you've been in the church for a little while, probably this has become like a Christianese. It's a word that we love to throw around, Christian people do. Um, And it honestly has become fairly meaningless. It's actually basically a shorthand for anything that Christians do together, right? Whether or not it has anything to do with Jesus, fellowship is oftentimes defined as just like anything that Christians do when they're with each other. Like, oh, we ate a meal uh, at Chick-fil-A together, because that's where Christians eat meals, right? Uh, We're we're having fellowship, right? Or, oh, we uh, hung out uh, watching a game together, and didn't say any words to one another hardly beyond how are you doing and comments about the weather, but that's fellowship, right? Or, oh, uh, we're going to hang around uh, here and make plans and stay until vet bedtime is over so I don't have to deal with the kids, right? That's fellowship. And I know you guys have done that, some of you, because I did it with you, right? Uh, <laughs> and it's not, it's not that, biblically speaking, any of those things cannot be fellowship. But what, what we need to realize is there's something deeper here that, that John's urging us towards, to see, to open up our lives to. And that's because fellowship in the original Greek language is this word koinonia. And it's not superficial. It's not just an acquaintance. It's this deep, committed connection. It's rich and robust. It's strong and oftentimes weathered by time. And it's, it's community it's friendship in the deepest, most beautiful way where there is more than shared time. It's shared intention. It's shared goals. It's shared hearts. Koinonia is this community that is centered and focused on, and when the Christian community used it, on Jesus. It said, our goal is Christ, and our goal is to know Christ, and our goal is to 
want Christ best for one another. And this, this is what makes the depth of Christian community possible because Christ enters our lives and works in the midst of all that. And what John, John is saying here is when you are willing to step out of the darkness, to turn down the volume on that white noise and, and be honest and vulnerable and real, we have koinonia with one another. We have fellowship with one another. We see each other with the lights on. And, uh, and you don't have to pretend um, that you're someone else or hide all your sin. When we are honest and real with one another, we all are there equally desperate for the grace that we know in Jesus Christ. And so it, you, don't, you don't have to always present your best self, right? You don't always have to curate your life like on Facebook and Instagram and put a hashtag no filter on your picture when really you have a filter on your picture. Um, you can live without fear because Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. And so be free, so walk free. And I, I just want to say this so it's utterly clear. You know, the goal of our groups, of growth groups, of any discipleship group here at Redeemer, do you know what it is? It's koinonia. It's that we would, we would walk in the light with one another. It's that we would, we would learn to turn on the lights and, and in the best ways be honest and, and real and, and moving towards Christ together, right? Because when we do that, that's when God actually transforms and, and changes our lives. And I, I, I want to be honest, I know that uh, a lot of times we struggle to get there. It's really hard to, to get there. It takes time, right? Um, it, uh, I know that all, all our groups are not there. I know that all our groups don't always stay there. I know that all our groups don't always get there, but I want to be clear. That's the goal. We want groups to know a depth of community that changes us, that helps us to, to let Jesus work in our lives in ways that we deeply need it. And I want you to experience how good and how wonderful and how healing and beautiful that is. And, uh, and I, I want us to be able to say to our groups, to people here, you know, man, uh, Shannon and I had a, a terrible week last week, and I need your prayers because we still haven't resolved it. I want you to be able to say that. I want you to be able to say to your group, you know what? We've been having a bad year, and we're in a pit, and we need you to help us dig out of that, right? I, I, want, I want you guys to, to, to know how good it is and how healing it is and what God can do when we bring those things into the light. And I just want to kind of finish with one example where it happened in my own group with me and God helped me bring something out into the light that I deeply needed to. And, um, and it's this. Uh, later this month, it's actually going to be five years since I lost my dad in a battle to cancer. And um, it's, I, I loved my dad deeply. My dad deeply loved me. I had a great relationship with my father. And um, losing him in so many ways uh, was, has been really hard. And it's been a lot of grief and um, new things I've had to work through as I've tried to live life without him as he's no longer been standing next to my mom in my life. And I've had a lot of healing, but... This last year, I got a curveball I never anticipated where um, 
there was suddenly someone new standing next to my mother. There was uh, a, a guy, and let's call him Cecil because that's his name. And, um, and, uh, and uh, she was meeting with him regularly. They spent a lot of time together. Uh, some of you would call that dating. Many people called him my mom's boyfriend. I did not because my heart was not ready to do such things. And, um, and if I'm going to be honest, I wasn't only ready, I was hiding in the darkness as deep as I could from, from this one. Like, honestly, I think that emotionally I dealt with this maybe worse than anything else I've done in my entire life, which is, is I wasn't in a good place. I didn't want to talk to Shannon about it. I didn't want to talk to my mom about it for sure. I didn't want to talk to my brothers about it. I just kind of kept it there. And then uh, last, this last Christmas, my mom informed me that um, they were going to get married, which meant there was a whole new reality I was going to have to deal with. And um, I want to be clear, in reality, she could not be marrying a better man. Cecil is a, an incredible man. He, um, I actually knew him before I moved away from my hometown because he worked at a Christian mission that served the poor where we grew up, and my, my dad and I actually volunteered there, and I, and I knew him there. Um, he is a deeply committed follower of Jesus. He treats my mom wonderfully. He takes care of her. She needs his, his companionship in her life. And so um, it's not been him, it's me, right? That's what we say in relationships, right? <laughs> it's not you, it's me, right? <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and what I realized at Christmas is that I have got to start talking about this. I've got to bring this into the light. So with some safe people, including my group, I started sharing what I was feeling and experienced really beyond Shannon for kind of the first time. And, um, and what I can tell you is that as I, as I talked about this, as I brought it into the light, I started to, to heal. I started to actually move through my grief about it. Um, Honestly, because in verbalizing it, I could start to understand that what was happening is that I was mourning my dad's loss in a new way. And then by verbalizing it, actually, honestly, the other thing that really helped was I got to see how freaking ridiculous I was being about the whole thing. <laughs> like, so I shared it with my group, and uh, I talked about it with my brothers. And I, I just remember that night with my group sharing it. And it was actually helpful for me to say it out loud and to watch everybody looking at me saying, like smiling and saying, David, you gotta get over this man. <laughs> this is a good thing. It was helpful uh, for me to tell my group that one of my brothers is messing with me and calling Cecil new daddy. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was really helpful for one of them to, to say, you got to get over this, and if you don't, I'm going to write a song called New Daddy, and I'm going to sing it for you, <laughs> right? Like, that actually really helped my healing, and, and what I can say is that as I've, as I've stepped out of what I've been feeling in this and actually been honest about it, right, uh, the white noise has gone down, I've got clarity, and I'm really thankful that um, I'm kind of getting excited for my mom that April, on April 25th, she's gonna be married. I'm really excited for her. 
And I'm even sort of excited about this Cecil guy too, right? <laughs> and here's what I here's what I want to say. Do you guys do you guys have people in your life that you can stand next to with the lights on? Do you have friends in your life that you can be honest with like that? Because let me tell you, you need those friends. You need them to help you bring it out of the darkness. You need them to stand beside you and help you process through those things. You need them to call you out when you're off base. You need them to give you grace when you fail. You need to be real and honest, and you need to learn to be vulnerable. And when you do, the good news is the grace of God forgives us. Jesus' blood purifies us from sin, and we have fellowship and deep love with one another. And that's the promise, and I want that for you. And if you have it, give thanks. Those friends are the best in the world. And if you don't, man, how are you going to find it? I want you to find it. Come talk to me. Talk to Shannon, who will connect you to a group. We, we want this to happen for you guys. And I, and I want you to know how good it is to walk in the light. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to give you thanks for your grace and your mercy. And how in your still small voice, so often you call us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. And I pray that you would do that in our hearts and our minds today, Lord. If there are things that we need to be honest about with someone, would, would you move us towards that? Would you call down these walls we've built of shame and fear? And Lord, would you stand beside us and empower us to step out into your marvelous light? Lord, um, if we need friends to come alongside us, bring those friends. Give us the courage to take that first step and open our lives to them, Lord. And by the power of your spirit, I pray that that would happen for the folks that are here today. In the name of Jesus, amen.